Hello and welcome. This is Trapping Today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Good to be here, guys. Thanks for coming along. Trapping Today podcast is brought to you by Cotts Brothers Lures. K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S dot com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Cotts Bros has a full line of trapping supplies. Go to CotsBros.com for baits and lures, for books, DVDs, for snares, for traps, for all the various different supply needs that you have. We're also brought to you by OnX. Use the Hunt app on your phone. Turn your phone into a GPS, and OnX Maps is where it's at. You're going to use this app for so many different things. Uh, you, you have both the phone app as well as the uh, web interface. You can get on your, your desktop, your laptop computer. You can get on your tablet. Um, and, and all those things interface, all your waypoints, all your tracks, everything is saved on the cloud. You come in from the woods and that automatically saves up, up in the cloud so that you don't have to worry about losing it if you drop your phone or whatever. And uh, it's such a great way to, to keep everything organized on the trap line. I use it exclusively now. I don't even use GPS. I just use OnX. And finally, from the Trapping Today store, be sure to pick up your trapping lure. Lots and lots of people are buying lure, getting ready for the season. Seasons are already underway in many places, and thanks for your orders, guys. So in this episode, we're going to do some Q&A, just going over some recent email questions that I got from folks. And uh, we're going to, I'll try to answer some, some of those. Again, if you have questions, I love to answer them. And, uh, the email address is jrodwood at gmail.com, J-R-O-D-W-O-O-D at gmail.com. I, a lot of times I will not answer reply back in an email because it just takes forever to explain what needs to be explained. So it's a lot easier to do it this way, um, and that's what I'm doing in, in these particular these particular questions. So the first question is about lure. So if, you're, if you've bought lure before if you're planning to buy a lure this is a a question that a lot of newer trappers especially have uh you know think might think about and in particular trappers who have a family and a lot of other responsibilities and a home that's shared by other people worried about skunk smell getting everywhere so that's a good question nate asked nate from minnesota asked about this and uh, he says he, he just started trapping last year um prepping for Bobcat and Fisher. He ordered the Predator Pack on trappingtodaystore.com. And uh, he his question was, worried about the skunk smell in these lures. I fear I'll get the lure smell stuck in my truck, my clothes, or worse, in the house. Getting the smell in my house may put some unnecessary strain on my marriage. I hear you, Nate. So what are some good practices to apply lure to sets without contaminating my stuff? That's a great question, Nate, and thanks for asking it. Uh, the skunk skunk is a strong strong smell. The good thing about it is very it's very volatile, so it's strong, but it does go away faster than other smells. Actually, the worst experience I've ever had with a lure uh, presenting an unpleasant smell was not skunk, believe it or not. And I don't even honestly know what it what it was, <laughs> what particular uh, combination of animal parts or whatever else it, it was that produced this smell but it's when we were up in Alaska Jim and I were trapping and he had uh oh I can't even remember the lure maker now but it was Algonquin something 
and the stuff I got the stuff on one of my hooded sweatshirts on the hood I I think I'd applied it to a tree um, to a tree branch and I walked under the tree to adjust the trap and got it on the hood and that took forever that was like that was like two weeks and it the smell still wasn't gone and I kept I kept trying to wash it and scrub it and everything else and it actually by the time I could no longer smell it at all it was probably a couple months so uh, that that's something to think about too not just skunk lures but uh, a lot of these lures can can stick around for a little while uh, even longer longer than skunk but it's a good question because a lot of people do have concerns about this um, and I do too sometimes I'll go into work and people look at me funny and I know right away I did not do my job of uh, being careful with my trapping lure. The good thing to start off with is the Predator Pack and any uh, lure that I sell that has skunk in it is going to be shipped vacuum sealed. So it's going to get to your place without the smell to start with. Um, it's when you open the pack, uh, you're going to start to get a little bit of odor. And then, of course, when you use it, that's really going to be when, uh, when there's a chance to, to make a mess. Some of the things that you can do, what, what I do is I have, and, and you should you should really practice this regardless of whether you're concerned about getting lure smell on you or not, or, or getting it out or on other things. You really should have uh, a separate set of gloves to handle your, your lure and bait. And those gloves should not be used to mess with your traps and for some species that's not going to matter you're not gonna have to worry about getting sent on the traps or whatever but it's a good practice um, to have to where you kind of isolate your your gloves that you touch your smelly stuff with and then the gloves that you use for other things and what I do is I'll have that set of gloves and I'll have that on in or near the bait bucket and I will put my skunky lures uh, if I'm concerned about not getting the smell uh, where it shouldn't be, I, I will put the, the lure bottle either inside the bait bucket with the bait or I will, I'll put it on a set, in a separate area of the back of my truck. I don't put it in the cab of the truck because um, that is a recipe for disaster, but uh, it'll, it'll be in the back of the truck um, in an area that you know, you're not going to have a bunch of your other stuff mixing around with. Now, you put those gloves on when you go to beta set or when you go to lure. So you're only going to touch that lure bottle with a gloved hand. And the gloved hands are going to be rubber gloves. And those gloves are going to be for your lure and bait. And they're not going to be used for anything else. So that's a good way to kind of isolate the potential for that scent. Uh, when you get to a set, so you are using, um, you're going to be, using box sets, conibear box sets for Bobcat and Fisher. So a couple of things, if you're using long distance call, unless it's like zero degrees or 20 below, which is probably not going to be for you, uh, you don't want to put that on the bait inside the box. You want that call lure to be up uh, above, above the, the bait, above the box. Um, to get the animal to the set um, and and then you want them to focus on the bait that's in the box uh, with predator just predator lure you're going to put that right on the bait in, in a box uh, if you're using predator plus that's all going to depend uh, you may want to 
if it's cold, if it's like Predator Plus, it has half the amount of skunk as long distance call does. So, you know, you can get away with putting that in the box and not worrying about overpowering the, uh, you know, scent if you're, if you're down below freezing. Uh, it's just a, you know, it, it just all depends. You try different things, see what works for you. Um, but if you're going to put the lure, uh, in the box, you're just going to, you're going to open that up with, with your gloved hands. You're going to take a stick. You just break a stick off from in, anywhere. You're going to dip that in, get lure on the stick, toss it in the box. If you're setting, if you're going to put that lure um, up above the box, if you, like for long distance call, you're going to break off a spot where you have kind of like a stub on a tree or the end of a branch, and you're going to open that uh, lure bottle, and you're going to just stick the lure bottle onto um onto the stub or branch of the tree and kind of like push it in to where you you kind of coat that uh, that stick with lure. Now this uh, this lure, especially long distance call, is a smear type lure. It's thick, it's a grease base and so it's it's not going to run off anywhere. It's going to stick wherever you put it and it's going to stay put. Uh, the other lures like Predator, Predator Plus, they're a little bit uh, more viscous, and they you may want to be a little careful with with um, smearing them onto to places. You're going to have a little bit of of lure that might kind of drop off if you try to put them on a, a stick or a tree or something. Um, then you're going to close that lure jar back up, go back to your truck. Set the lure jar in its separate location, either in with the bait or in another area of the truck. Take the gloves off and done. Now, nowhere at no other time in your trapping, other than baiting and luring, are you going to touch those, are you going to use those gloves, nor are you going to touch that lure jar. And so you've kind of isolated that. Um, one thing you could do if you want to be really particular, say you're, you've got that in the back of your truck and you, you pull the truck into the garage, uh, yeah, you're going to have some, some smell there. One thing that you can do is you can take like a, a little plastic bucket with a lid. I have a bunch of these. Um, and, and you can stick your lure jars, any of your smelly lure in that plastic bucket, close the lid. You're still going to have the opportunity for a little bit of scent, but it's not going to be nearly as strong as it would be if you just kind of have that jar hanging out. Um, but yeah, it is inevitable. You are going to have uh, mistakes. You're going to have mishaps. Uh, some people worse than others. I. It's funny because I, like I'm doing a lot of farming now, so I'm working on equipment, uh, tractors and haying equipment and everything else. And I cannot touch a tractor without getting covered in grease and oil and I mean just a completely dirty. And I know other guys that I know mechanics that work on vehicles all day and they come out and it hardly looks like they're dirty. And I don't understand how some people do that and how other people just are completely grease covered and myself included. Uh, it's, uh, it's I guess it's just some subconscious level of care that some of us are better at than others. So, so yeah, you're depending on how you are, you, you're, you're always going to have some level of potential for, for that to smell things up. Uh, the good news is you're going to get used to it. 
the other good news is it's it might test your marriage a little bit, but you'll know that she really loves you if she sticks around uh, when you get a little bit of skunk uh, in the garage or in, in the house maybe. All right, so I hope that helped uh, Nate, and good luck. I want to see some pictures if you catch a Fisher or Bobcat. That would be great. Next question uh, is talking about getting started fox trapping. This guy from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and he wanted to know about some uh, starter traps and lure for for getting into fox trapping. So separate those out a little bit. First, let's talk about traps. Um, And I want to preface this conversation about traps and lure by saying that those, you know, that those may be a couple of the things that you first think about when you think about getting into trapping. And you might think of those as being pretty darn high in importance. But I think it's good to put it into context when you when you actually think about what the important things are in trapping. And when I look back on my decades of trapping and, and what the most important uh, things were that influenced my success or lack of success, it was not lure and it was not the type of trap. The most important contributor to my success as a trapper was finding the fur-bearing animals. So scouting and finding location and getting out there and getting traps set. All other things aside, that is, th- those are the most important parts of being successful in trapping. So let's assume that you got that figured out and you do have locations scouted. You know where the animals are at. You understand a little bit about their habits. You understand how to make sets. You want to know uh, what are some good traps or what's a, what's a good trap to use for fox. I would say, my opinion, uh, the MB550 is going to be the best trap that you could use if you wanted to get started fox trapping. Now, uh, there are some people in the camp that would say the 550 is a little bit overkill for fox. I don't think it necessarily is. Uh, it doesn't. It's not required to catch a fox. However, um, the MB450 is a smaller version of the 550, and that is designed for fox. But there are very, very few places left in the country that have trappable numbers of fox that don't have coyotes. And so pretty much anywhere that you're going to be fox trapping, you're going to have a good likelihood of catching coyotes. And the MB550 is going to be an extremely effective trap for both foxes and coyotes. When you get bigger than a 550, you get into some really good coyote traps like the uh, NoBS Canine Extreme Junior or the Canine Extreme. I would say both of those are probably too big for fox, uh, probably overkill. Even the Junior is probably a little overkill for fox. Uh, you get into like the, uh, you know, the Duke or Bridger number threes, uh, again, probably overkill for fox. Uh, although the 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 number three old style dukes and victors that have uh, that are kind of that oblong shaped those those are okay 
I guess, for Fox. But I still, I, I don't like those traps. I think uh, they're a bit of a smaller, smaller jawed trap in, in terms of how high they catch on the foot. But those are not, I don't think they're very um, friendly for the animal or the trap right out of the box. They require a lot of modifications to get them right. And uh, I, I just don't like them. So uh, you could go smaller than that. There are a lot of older traps or older style traps on the market. The Victor number two square jaw was the old school. Uh, you're going to find a lot of these for sale used um, at, you know, garage sales or people, people got them, throw them up for sale on Facebook marketplace or wherever. Those were the number one fox trap in the country for a very long time until coyotes started moving in and becoming more abundant in places. And coyotes just tore those traps apart. They, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. Coyote just dismantled those, those old Victor square jaws. So those are not really a good choice anymore. You get into the like uh, one and a half and one and three quarters. There's some good old traps uh and I say old, but there's some that are still manufactured, uh, this, these, this style of trap. Uh, the round jaw, one and a half, so one and three quarters, even like the Bridger 1.65s. Uh, there's a number of options that you have there. And those, if properly modified, they're a great fox trap and they will hold coyotes. And they'll, they'll be fairly decent coyote traps as well. They're going to be cheaper to purchase but they're going to require a bunch of modifications the the mb550 the beauty of that trap is you can open it up out of the box and you can go and set it now you you're probably going to want to dip it or or, uh, or wax and dye it whatever but the trap requires virtually no modifications you might want to tinker a little bit with the uh, with the pan tension but you probably don't everyone that i've set you know, dozens and dozens of these, and every one that I've set out of the box has had uh, pan tension that I did not want to mess with. It's it's uh, they're they're just a great trap out of the box. You just don't have to tweak anything. And once you've once you've kind of got spoiled and using a trap like that, and then you go back to to using like a you know like a a Duke or a Bridger. And all of a sudden, you've got all these things. You got to put it on the bench. You got to do a bunch of work to it to to get it right. Uh, it's like no, that's it's not worth it. Um, so the the 550 is my choice. Now there is a cheaper version, uh, a knockoff copycat version uh, that Duke made of the MB 550. It's uh, I guess it's just called the Duke 550. I've never used it. Um, I was kind of in the camp where. I felt that it was, it was probably a bridge a little too far to make almost a direct copy of a trap that was already in the market. So I wasn't really a big fan of that. Um, but it, it is a cheaper alternative. I have, I know of people that have used those and really like them. They, for the price, I've heard that they're a really good trap if you want quality, you're not going to get it in that trap. It, and it is going to require some modifications. And if you catch a bunch of animals with it, it it's going to need some tweaking. And you're going to tell it's going to take a beating. From what I've heard, from what I've been told. Uh, 
but those those are probably the better choices. You know, the 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 uh, MB five fifty or or the Duke five fifty. Excellent all around fox and fox trap with the potential to catch and hold coyotes easily. Your mileage may vary. You may have uh, circumstances in your area that maybe a, a different trap would work better for you. But that's my opinion. Now moving on to lure. Uh, again, you're going to hear my opinion. And I'm one of those people that doesn't really believe that uh, lure is a magic potion. However, I'm actually able to support this podcast and a lot of the stuff that I do at Trapping Today by selling you guys lure, which is kind of an ironic thing um, because I I know it works and it's a good quality lure. The, all the lures that I make are good quality lures, but I, I don't, I just cannot buy into the idea that uh, that lure is going to have a big play a big factor in your success but because of the way lure is positioned uh, people just naturally think that a better lure is going to make you a better trapper and and i don't believe that's the case i think that if you take like you know the top half a dozen lure makers in the country and you buy any lure that they make uh, you're going to find that you're going to catch animals and you're going to you're going to be very successful. Some other lures are going to work better than others. And some other lures are going to work great for you, but they're not going to work for someone 200 miles away or vice versa. Uh, so lure is kind of a trial and error thing, but I, I wouldn't get too mixed up in it because when you look at like the people that, that really get into it with the, the testing and the numbers and the percentages, uh, there's just so many different variables that can influence your success at a particular trap set. When you add in the the variable of lure and then you add in the the way that can change from season to season and from location to location and all the other different variables, I I think it's a problem that's almost unsolvable. So if you if you find a lure that you like and you have confidence in, that's going to be more important to your success than what's actually in the lure. Assuming it's not uh, just uh, some cheap urine mixed up with uh, a little bit of junk here and there and, and kind of put it into a bottle. There are, there are some of those fly-by-night operations that do that, but it's not, the, it's, it's not that common. So good quality lure, um, pretty basic. Now, that being said... There are several different types of lure that you want to consider. The first thing I'd say is you do want to have some urine. If you're fox trapping, you want to have some fox urine, a little squirt bottle of it, and you're you're gonna find that that's gonna be that's gonna be very helpful at a, at a set. Um, just a little tiny squirt, maybe even just a few drops, kind of at the edge of a dirt hole or or the edge of your object uh, that you're using in a flat set, for instance. I wouldn't smear it, spray it all over the place or anything, but uh, but urine is a good attractor. It's a good um, suspicion remover, if you will. And then when you get into lure, there there are several different types of lure that you want to think about. Number one is going to be a gland lure. The second one is going to be a food lure. The third would be a curiosity lure, and the fourth would be a call lure. 
And then there are some lures that are combinations of those things. So if you take like a long distance call that I make, that's a call lure pretty clearly. Um, that actually also has uh, a few other attractants, quite a few other attractants in it that, uh, that add to its effectiveness. Uh, but the primary purpose of that lure is a call. A gland lure, if you're fox trapping, you know, a, a lure that contains majority of, of ingredients, fox glands, is going to be a good choice to use. You could also use a lure that has uh, glands from a totally different species like mink glands. Uh, that, that to me would be more along the lines of a curiosity type lure or a curiosity type attractant. Uh, but you're going to want to have some some sort of fox gland lure to mix in with uh, with your sets, and then you're going to want a food lure or sort of a uh, a combination type lure that includes a food attractant. For instance, uh, Predator and Predator Plus. Uh, Predator just in general that lure is a combination food and curiosity lure when you're using it for fox and coyotes. If you're using it for mustelids, it's going to be a food slash gland lure. And if you're using Predator Plus, it's going to be a food slash gland slash call lure or food slash curiosity slash call lure. It gets a little bit complicated there, but you're going to want to have just a few good lures so that you can mix and match and and uh, try different things at different sets. One thing that I think you do not want to do is, and I made this mistake when I was starting out trapping, is to find a lure that's really effective and you really like and just use that same lure at every set. Uh, that can work for a while, but it burns itself out pretty quick, or, or it seems to. And uh, if it doesn't work, then you don't know whether it's the animals are gone, whether it's the weather, whether it's you, your area, or whether it's the lure. You really don't know what's going on because you're only using one lure. So uh, try use a few different lures and, and try them out. Um, again, I, I sell a lure, so I appreciate if you if you purchase from me. And Cots Brothers Lures has a wide variety, way bigger selection than I have. They have all kinds of different types of lures, and I, I appreciate if you support them and thank them for supporting the podcast by picking up some lures from them. And good luck trapping in the Upper Peninsula. I hope that you find some success. That is a beautiful, beautiful area. I drove through there once, and it reminded me quite a bit of, of uh, the way things look here in northern Maine. Finally, question is beaver trapping in rivers in Iowa. So this guy been listening to the podcast for quite a while. Guy's name is actually Trapper, so his parents must have had that figured out. Pretty pretty wise there. <laughs> pretty cool. All right, so we've been listening to the podcast for a few years. Uh, caught almost every fur-bearing animal in Iowa. Recently, me and my two trapping partners have been trying to catch more beaver because we have so many of them. We've been catching a lot in snares, but not much else. I, I was wondering how you'd catch beavers in river settings. So thank you, Trapper. That's a good question. It's a broad question. I'll see if I can try to answer it in, in a way that's going to be helpful to you. So if you're you're catching beavers uh, in snares in rivers in Iowa, I'm, I'm going to have to assume, because I don't have you here on the line, that 
you're probably snaring the trails in and out of the water where, where the beaver are coming and going. Um, I know Iowa is not like northern Maine, so you're going to have a longer period of open water and a short period of ice. And depending on your river, you might not have any ice uh, in the wintertime. So let's start with open water and, and assume that you're using snares on trails in, in open water. You really you have three options when it comes to trapping methods for beavers, right? You have snares, body grips or conibears, and footholds. And so it's it's really pretty simple. Your your two options to look into here are your body grips and your footholds, and your your body grips are not going to give you a lot of advantages over what you're already doing with snares. Uh, because you can pretty much make a snare set in any situation that you'd use a conibear. What conibears are going to do for you, though, is give you a number of additional options to, to make different types of sets that are going to be you know, very similar in terms, you're, you're going to be making blind sets, but there are cases where I think snares can function a lot less predictably than body grips. And so what I would do for, for instance, if you have uh, a trail where beaver is leaving the water, what a, a, a classic set there is going to be right where you get to the depth that, you know, you get to about a foot, foot and a half of depth. You're going to set your trap there just under the water. And you're going to put a little dive stick, something that doesn't have to be big. In fact, in a lot of cases, very small and subtle is better. So that animal is, whether it's entering the water or leaving the water, it's going to, it's going to do a quick dive to get under that stick and it's going to swim right through the trap or the snare. Now, the 330, if if that beaver swims inside the jaws of that 330, touches the trigger, it's game over. Lights out, right? A snare, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. Um, that animal can swim most of the way through the snare if the loop size is a little too big for the their body. And maybe not get caught. That animal can start to get caught in the snare and something catches whether it's its hair or a stick or or a little bit of twist in the cable or something and uh it is it is not completely tightened to where the snare catches the animal and it, it, it gets out the snare can be knocked over a lot easier than than a conibear so i guess i i would start if you want to try something different is maybe trying some 330s and those types of sets also trying blind sets if you see a, a travel way uh, in the water. Um, you're going to set, if you're, if you're near shore, you're going to set on the surface. If you get a little further away from shore and deeper water, you're going to want to set right on the bottom where you can see those run runways. This is going to be a lot more difficult in a river because for the most part, you're probably going to have steep banks and you're going to have quick drop off. So, Unless and until you have an under ice trapping situation, I would say your options are pretty limited um, to where those animals are entering and exiting the water. With one major exception. 
That exception is the house, the, the Beaver Lodge. Now, it's almost like an unfair advantage when you're river trapping beaver and you find a bank beaver and it's got a lodge. Because if you've got a beaver lodge in the middle of a flowage, a pond, there can be a couple of entrances, sometimes three entrances to that lodge. And if you plug up those entrances with traps, a smart beaver will just dig around them and, and dig new entrances, especially if you catch a beaver in a trap right at the entrance of the lodge. So that, that can be a, a very, very difficult way to try to trap beavers. It works the first time, but after that, uh, I've been there. It's, <laughs> you're, you start playing a cat and mouse game and they get pretty smart. It, if, however, you're in a bank situation, they got no other options. It is a quite a task for them to dig around, especially when the if the riverbank starts freezing, especially. Um, but they've got essentially one entrance. They might have two. They might have two entrances, one on either side of the house. But there is really no backside way to get in or out of that house. And so if you have the entrances blocked, if you can find the area where where those beavers are leaving the house, you got them. I mean, if you can set a trap there. Some states have regulations where you got to be 10 feet, 15 feet, 5 feet away from the house. That can make it a little tough. And if you're in a really deep water situation with steep banks, that can make it tough. But that's that's a really like a slam dunk, no-brainer um, type of set. Now, saving the best for last using footholds uh river situations are like the ready-made foothold uh, set environment and that's not to say that that it's easy to catch beavers in foothold sets in the rivers but i think it is an art that if you learn it and you get good at it you're gonna be just like it opens up an entirely new world of trapping and you develop a level of confidence to where you almost can't be stopped. The, the sets that you're going to use are primarily going to be uh, baited and or lured sets. You're going to be attracting that animal to your, uh, to your trap location. If you're in a blind set situation, I think your body grips and snares are, are the way to go. Um, you can set footholds in, in those types of places, but uh, the beauty of the the option to be able to, to lure a beaver in is that you can make that set where you want it instead of where the beaver has decided to put it. And you can kind of tailor, make the set in a place that's convenient for you to get to, access, check, and is... Um, more suited for the placement uh, of a foothold set. So I've gone into this a little bit in previous podcasts. I've done some video YouTube videos on it here and there. Um, but basically you you need to decide whether you're trying to set for a front foot or a hind foot back foot catch. You're going to want to use a big trap, as big a jaw size as you can get. My trap of choice for these situations is the TS-85. A lot of good trappers, a lot of beavers have been caught with TS-85s. Eight and a half inch jaw spread. 
um, it is a huge catch area. Um, it, it really makes it so much nicer when you're, you're making that set and you're trying to get the beaver to put his foot in the right location. Your, uh, I hate, Iowa might be a little tough cause I, I haven't trapped beavers in Iowa. Uh, I know in the South and you see, you're not in the North, you're not in the South necessarily. Uh, in the South, they say beavers don't come to caster as readily. Where I'm at in the north, it is just crazy when you set up, set out a caster mound. The beavers just, it's like a magnet pulls them in. Very, very easy here to trap beavers at caster mound sets. I suspect in Iowa they would be very effective as well. So, so you're going to just make a mud patty, a mock caster mound set, put some beaver caster, beaver lure, caster base lure, like I have a Birch River is my beaver lure caster base and birch oil for an added food attractant. Place that on top of that caster mound and you're going to set your foothold trap in the right depth of water and distance from the the bank in order to make sure that beaver is going to put his foot there. Um, you're going to make this, you're going to want to make this as a drowning set. So it's going to be on a slide wire with uh, something heavy for an anchor um, and the trap with a, a drowning lock on it, a one-way slide lock. Or you can use, uh, in river situations, a lot of people use drowning rods, which, which can be very effective, but you got to have a steep bank and deep water pretty close to shore. Um, so basically, you're going to have uh, either, you're going to have your, your trap on a slide wire. The slide wire is going to be either staked or wired to a hard location on the shore. And then the other end of it is going to be down in deep water, three feet or more. Um, and then you're going to bring your trap, set your trap on the edge of the water, on the the approach to land. Um, if you're, I'm, th I'm just trying, I, I usually don't, I don't actually measure. Uh, I stick my hand down. If I want a, a hind foot catch, I'll stick my hand down where my palms, palms down um, on the bottom. And it's going to be a, about elbow deep. I get pretty long arms. It's going to be about elbow deep for me, maybe a little bit shallower. Um, if I want a front foot catch, I don't know what that is. Elbow, that's maybe 18 inches or something, 16, 18 inches. Um, if I want a front foot catch, it's going to be more like six inches or, or six, six or eight or 10 inches. Um, with fluctuating water levels in the river, that, that can be a, an art to try to figure out as well. So this is not an exact science. You're going to want a bump stick, uh, something that that beaver is going to hit as it's approaching shore where its feet are lined up where you want it to plant its feet. That's going to cause it to plant those feet. When it plants its foot down, you want that foot planted right in a trap. So you want to set your trap in a location where that beaver's foot is going to set down. Um, so you're not going to want it necessarily dead center in that run. You're going to want it off to one side. You're gonna have uh, probably you're gonna have your caster mount set. The other option is gonna be just some sort of baited set. I like to use aspen or popple. We call it here. It's quaking aspen. Cut a piece of it, maybe a foot to two feet long. Pound it into the bank. Shave off a little bit of the bark. Get it nice so there's a little bit of white and green, and they can see it and they can smell it. Um, that that is uh, really effective as an attractor as well. 
um, try different types of lure. But caster and caster and sack oil, beaver sack oil, are going to be your two best attractants in most cases. So that's going to be your your foothold set option. Now, if you want to talk under ice beaver trapping, message me again. Maybe we can talk about that. I've done a bunch of podcasts on that. And uh, the sets for under ice are quite a bit different. They, they, they're quite a bit different. But for open water, those are, those are pretty much going to be your options. And I, I would encourage anybody to try that out. If, if you're interested in, in you know, branching out and finding new ways to catch beavers, or any animal for that matter, try it out. Try those different types of sets, different traps, and, and see what you think. And finally, I had a question about bear lure and using beaver caster for bear lure. And the guy was uh, it's something about not being able to sell his caster and wanted to use it, grind it up, use it for, uh, for bear trapping or bear hunting. Um, and wanted to know what a good recipe was. Uh, beaver caster is pretty good, guys. Um, what I would do is I'd add some anise in there. Anise is very attracted to bears. Uh, anise oil, something you can purchase at Cotsbros, and I'd also purchase some honey oil. Cotsbros sells that as well. Put a little bit of anise, a little bit of honey, mix that up with your caster. Um, maybe put a little bit of glycerin um, to get that consistency right. I, I would use grease to get it to where you can smear that lure, but you could use um, caster with glycerin, anise, and honey, and that's going to make you a pretty good, pretty darn good bear lure. Uh, I don't have a lot of experience with bear lures, but I do know some of the ingredients in the trapping lures I sell attract bears because I see people send me pictures of their game cameras with <laughs> with bears being attracted to them. So that's that, guys. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Good to have you. Fire away with questions. Hope you're out there enjoying yourself on the trap line. Till next time, keep on talking trapping, keep on thinking trapping. We'll catch you on the next episode.